It's February 8th. This is the one-year Bible tour. My name is David McAdam, and it's our joy to be able to read the scriptures today. We are in the book of Exodus, and we will be looking at the high priest's garments and what they will tell us about the high priest and his ministry, prophetically speaking of our greater high priest, Jesus Christ, who finished the work of redemption on behalf of those who would believe on him. So we begin reading Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron and your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder-pieces attached to its two edges, so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so you shall engrave the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree, and two chains of pure gold, twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment, in skilled work. In the style of the ephod you shall make it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth. You shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond and the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. You shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold, and you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. The two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold, and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece 
on its inside edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in front to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it, with a woven binding around the opening, like the opening in a garment, so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem, with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he does not die. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord, and you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall weave the coat in checker work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. For Aaron's sons you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty and you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near to the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die." This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. What do clothes tell us about the man? When people start reading through the Bible, they sometimes get discouraged when the storyline seems to grind to a halt and they are inundated with the laws of the Mosaic Covenant and details regarding the tabernacle and its service. Do not give up reading. Don't be tempted to think that this is not relevant. Jesus said, quote, It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. End quote. First, he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. In Hebrews 10, verses 7 to 8. All the services of the tabernacle point to the perfect once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his office as our great high priest. We read about this in Hebrews chapter 10. The psalmist said, And in his temple, Everything says glory. Psalm 29, verse 9. The same could be said about the tabernacle. The tabernacle speaks of the glory of Christ. 
The brazen altar speaks of his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. The laver, the washing of his word. The holy place, his sufficiency on our behalf. The holiest of all speaks of the place he has opened up to those who believe, a place of communion with the glory of God. Through Jesus' death, the veil in the temple that separated the place of communion, that is the holiest of all, from the place of service in the holy place, is torn from top to bottom in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. He did this so that sinners would no longer be excluded from God's glorious presence. We have access by a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us by becoming both our high priest and our perfect sacrifice for sin, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20. Exodus 28 speaks of the clothing of the high priest. What do the clothes tell us about the man who wears them? God had His Son in mind, when he gave Moses the directions regarding the clothing that was to be worn by the high priest, Aaron, who would be set apart for a special ministry. The high priest is to wear these clothes for glory and beauty in verse 2. Everything about the man should be inspiring and causing us to think of Jesus, who because of his priestly work was crowned with glory and honor in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 and 9. The linen ephod was the first piece that is described in detail. It was created of fine white linen, which represents righteousness, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. As mentioned before, linen was a fabric created from flax, a vegetable. It is representative of the individual righteousness of Christ Jesus, who like a seed fell into the ground and died, that he would not abide alone, but that his righteousness would be reproduced in us. John chapter 12, verse 24. Linen speaks of a life of grace. This clothing would not cause sweat in Ezekiel 44, verse 18. The clothing was not to represent our works, but the work of the perfect God-man on our behalf, who imputes His righteousness to us. The ephod was a short coat decorated with embroidery in messianic colors, gold representing deity, blue representing heaven, purple representing royalty, and scarlet representing redemption. It had no sleeves and was fastened closely to the body with a sash of the same material and multicolored ornamentation. The shoulder sections of the ephod were buttoned together, attaching to two precious onyx stones set in gold filigree, one on each shoulder, On these two stones were inscribed the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six on each stone. Gold-chained cords from the stones on the shoulders would be used to attach the breastplate. The ephod tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. He is fit to minister on our behalf and carry the weight of our concerns and solve our problem of guilt before the Lord. The breastplate, the chess piece, was a pouch of folded cloth, nine inches square, designed to carry the two stones for decision-making, the Urim and the Thummim, in chapter 28, verse 30. It would be made in a fashion similar to the ephod, with linen and threads of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet. The pouch had four rows with three gemstones in each row, representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Two gold rings on the top and side edges of the breastplate would be used to attach the breastplate to the ephod below the shoulder pieces. 
The bottom rings would attach to the ephod with blue cords just above the decorative sash or girdle. What is significant here is that the high priest would have the names of the children of Israel both on his shoulders and over his heart when he goes into the holy place. Psalm 115 verse 12 says, The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Isaiah 49 verse 16 says, Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. As our mediator, our great high priest is fully equipped to make known the will of God to us. The robe. The robe was a single garment of blue wool worn underneath the ephod. It was seamless from top to bottom, as was the coat that was taken from Jesus Christ at the cross in John chapter 19, verse 23. Warren Wearsby notes, quote, The collar around the opening for the head was woven so that it would not tear. During our Lord's ministry on earth, some people tried to tear the seamless robe of His character and accuse Him of wrongdoing but they never succeeded, quote. Pomegranates of purple and blue, fruit of a royal and heavenly color, were attached to the hem of the high priest's robe with golden bells between them all around. The golden bells of the robe made a joyful sound, alerting the people who could not see behind the veil that the high priest was alive and his work performed on their behalf was being accepted by God. This was significant because if the priest did not fulfill his duties according to the law and went into the holiest of all without the blood of the atoning sacrifice sprinkled on the mercy seat, he would die in Exodus chapter 28, verse 35. The bells would stop ringing and the priest in the holy place would have to pull out his body with the cords attached to his robes. Psalm 89, verse 15 reads, How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound! O Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. Jesus, as our great high priest, is our living Savior. There is no substitute for the one who became the perfect once and for all substitute for us. He communicates the life of heaven and makes it possible for us to bring forth eternal fruit as we abide in Him. Let's look at the turban with the golden medallion in Exodus 28 verses 36 to 38. A linen turban was made as a headpiece for the high priest. A plate of pure gold with the words, Holiness to the Lord engraved on it was fastened to the turban with a cord of blue. There is only one priest who wore the golden plate on the turban. He was the high priest who was representing the perfect priesthood of Christ. The whole purpose of the Levitical priesthood was to show the way of holiness unto the Lord. This could only be done by another who would act on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 tells us, for Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hebrews 7 verse 26 says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Aaron's sons foreshadow the priestly ministry of believers, we too are clothed with garments of salvation, set apart by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, who teaches us to pray. Our nakedness has been covered with the righteousness of another. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, continuing with chapter 25, verses 31, through chapter 26, verse 13. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, 
and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Chapter 26 The Plot to Kill Jesus When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's take a moment to reflect upon our New Testament reading. Only a few days before Jesus is taken by the authorities to be crucified, he warns his hearers of his second coming. The day of the Lord will be a day of judgment for individuals, communities, and nations in Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. The day of the Lord will be a day of vindication. First, the Lord Jesus himself will be fully vindicated. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. Everyone will be called to account. He is coming back as King of Kings. Secondly, 
it will be a day of vindication for those who put their trust in Him and have borne His reproach in the world. Those who identified with Christ and His people to the degree that they were not ashamed to offer acts of service in His name to others who bore His name. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The righteous will answer him, saying, When did we see you in these conditions? And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. In Matthew 25, verse 40. Believers who have been made right with God by faith will experience a work of grace that makes them compassionate towards the least of these, his brothers. This parable applies specifically to how we treat our persecuted believers and in the context of Jesus' discourse on the Mount of Olives, it refers especially to those persecuted in the Great Tribulation. The Bible reminds us that even believers will have to give an account in a public place of judgment. They are not judged for their sin, but the judgment will make plain how the work of grace was manifested in their lives and towards others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11-15. through 15. Will that day reveal that we are truly His sheep, or are we goats? After these parables, Jesus predicts His death in Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. The religious crowd plot it in verse 3, but God has planned it for His redemptive purpose. This is followed by an example of extravagant devotion. A woman whom John identifies as Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 3, breaks a box made of imported alabaster from Egypt and pours out its content of precious spikenard ointment on Jesus' head. This fragrant oil was used only for solemn acts of devotion rather than for anointing guests. It is estimated that it would have cost an amount equivalent to an annual salary, 300 denarii in Mark chapter 14, verse 5. Judas who moments later would be betraying Jesus for thirty pieces of silver, rebukes this act of devotion as unnecessarily extravagant. To what purpose is this waste? Some disciples ask. Judas says, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? John records that Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Are we the kind of people who scoff at acts and expenditures of devotion to Jesus? If so, where is our heart? Are we taking that which does not belong to us and spending for our own purposes? Mary knew that all she had and all that she needed was right before her. It was to be found in Jesus. Jesus did not rebuke this expenditure. He praised it and promised that wherever the gospel is preached, Mary's act of devotion will be held up as a memorable example. How differently Judas is held up as an example. And now for today's reading from the Psalms. So reading Psalm 31 verses 9 through 18 today is my precious daughter-in-law, whom I call Daughter in Grace, Heather McAdam. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, in my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. 
because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. The psalmist is being targeted by his enemies and has been on the receiving end of slander. In the midst of his hardships, however, he finds refuge in the Lord. He knows his help comes from a God who is good, merciful, and kind. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance, and the way of evil, and perverted speech, I hate. The scriptures remind us that in order to have a good love life, we must also have a hate life. What that means is that if we love health, we will hate disease. If you love holiness, you will hate sin. If you fear the Lord, you will hate evil. The psalmist said, I hate vain thoughts, in Psalm 119, verse 113. How is it with your hate life? Let's pray. O Lord, we want to be found ready for your appearing. We want to worship you worthily. We want to value your word more than our necessary food. We want to show kindness to all people, especially to the household of faith. Thank you for your provision in Christ Jesus, whom you have made to be for us our righteousness, our sanctification, and redemption. We're grateful that he has secured our adoption into your family and access into your presence by the Holy Spirit. We want to be like Mary, recklessly abandoned in submission to worship you with our obedience. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and enable us to live a life that is fruitful and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you for listening and also remind you that we have resource materials available on our website, newlife.org, and also a printed copy of our daily devotion with pictures, especially when we get to the tabernacle and the clothing of the priests. It's good to have illustrations that you can refer to. So those are available for free at our website, www.newlife.org.